0: the gladiator mentality, and people look at us like, oh, okay, really? Or, yeah, really. All right, let's do this. Diamond the Podcast. Happy Easter to all of you out there. If you're listening on Sunday, if you're listening on Monday, well, happy day after Easter, I suppose. But, hey, the stat of the weekend was a really good one. OU wins, three. Texas Tech runs, Zero. Is there a better stat that you could have in a Big 12 series than OU having three wins and Texas Tech having zero runs in a three-game series? You got three more wins than the opposing team did runs. I mean, that's tough to beat. And some might say, well, I don't know, Tyler, come on. Three run rule wins versus zero runs. Now we're talking here. That's elite. Like, Okay, maybe I might hear that argument. But at the same time, I bet Patty Gasso liked the opportunity to play 21 innings this week. But she liked that a lot. It's been a long time since that's happened, seemingly. You know, you got to play all 21 innings and give some players some opportunities that may not have normally had an opportunity if you're just playing three games that are dead at the end of five innings. And I think that we saw a couple examples of that this week. Look at Avery Hodge. Um, She was the story on Thursday night for what she did. Got an opportunity, made a huge play. And we'll see what happens now moving forward uh, with Avery Hodge this season and even going into next year, right? But Avery Hodge is definitely on our radar now after what she did Thursday night. Maybe she doesn't have that opportunity if it's just a quick five-inning game. It allowed Kirsten Deal to get some innings this weekend. And I think that is really important. And one of the more under-the-radar storylines from from this three-game set over Tech you know, KD got in a couple of games this weekend because they all went the distance. Does she have that opportunity, like Avery Hodge, if they're just quick five-inning games? Maybe not, and I think that's the point that Patty Gasso brought up before the year is you know, she's always going to take a dominant run-rule win, but would she like to play more games that go the distance? Yeah, and it's because of situations like we saw this weekend with Avery Hodge and now Kirsten Deal. KD got two-thirds of an inning on Saturday and allowed one hit. Uh, two-thirds, on, also on Friday, it allowed two hits. Now, to me, I think it's very important that she continues to get innings and time in the circle. Right, okay, it, will they need KD in Oklahoma City in the Women's College World Series? As it sits right now, probably not. I mean, I think we can all agree that OU looks pretty set with the 1-2-3 they currently have in the circle. But at the same time, you know, anything can happen, um, especially with Patty Gasso and how she'll sometimes throw someone in an unexpected spot just to see how they react. You know, that could even be in the postseason. So that could be in the cards for Kirsten Deal. But, you know, the three aces that you have right now, seemingly that's what you're going to ride throughout the postseason. At least that's kind of, you know, what I'm guessing and how I see it right now. But getting Deal in games is important because, look, guys, the expectation of winning a national championship won't start stop after this season. You know, I know that we're focused right now on what's going on this year, but you can't help at least a little to kind of peek into the future and what might be necessary or what you might need moving forward. But yeah, newsflash. Whatever our expectations are now will likely be the expectations once again next year. Nicole May will be back. Jordy Ball will be back. But Alex DiRocco is gone. You know, you're losing one of your three aces after this year and one of the best pitchers in all of college softball. That's just not my opinion. That's going by the numbers. And I think after this year and, and how we've seen it work out for OU, I'm sure Patty likes the idea of having three le- three legit pitchers in the circle. So I guess the question looking way too ahead of things going into next year is, OK, well, who's going to be your third? You'll have May back, you'll have Ball back, but who's going to be your third legit starter like you have this year? Anyone's guess as of right now, right? Like maybe you go after someone in the portal like you did with Starocko, but I'm going to guess that the hope, at least right now, is that KD is ready to be the third starter next year. That's why I'm always interested to see how well she does in the game, regardless if it's you know, an eight-run game in the seventh inning when she gets in, or a six-run, I guess it would be like a six-run game in the seventh inning when she gets in, whatever. Like, I'm i am interested to see that because of how she might project, how important she might be for next year's team. And to be fair, like, she's not the level of Starock May, or Ball, the three aces right now, but at the same time, who is? Like, <laughs> who is on that level right now? I mean, not many, right? You know, you don't have to necessarily have a baptism by fire this year for the true freshman, but you'd like Kirsten Deal to be ready by next year. And, you know, sure, there's a lot of time between then and now, but you'd also like to see her get on a roll before then. I mean, this is a confident sport, and you'd like to see Kirsten Deal go into the offseason, being put in some big moments, come through, and having a lot of confidence going into next year. And I think she's good. I mean— Her rating out of high school told us that, right? I think she's good and has shown some really nice flashes, but I like that they were able to get her in not just once, but twice this weekend. The more innings, the better for Kirsten Deal. Do I think that she's going to play a much larger role next season? Yeah, I would guess so. I, I think that that's the case, and my expectation is that she's that third starter, along with Jordy Ball and Nicole May. But what she gets innings-wise this year and the rest of the way, I think is going to give us a better glimpse as to what her true potential is as a starter in the circle. But I'm very high on her. I I, I like what I've seen from Kirsten Deal thus far. Um, She needs to improve, just like a lot of players. But if she does, she'll absolutely be in that mix next year. And I hope that we see a lot more KD here uh, moving forward. But all in all, I think you got to be happy with this weekend. Was it perfect? No, I mean, it never is. But there's a lot of good things to take away. Haley Lee continues to just crush the ball. She is just on a tear right now. In fact, I think she might be playing her best softball, maybe, of her career. She's playing the best softball of the season, but I think she might be playing the best of her career. Just launching balls out of the park right now, especially over those left-field bleachers. You know, and as crazy as it is to say... I even think that the front runner for National Player of the Year might be playing her best softball right now. And for those of you that have listened to the pod all year long, uh, when I do the Cavens group read, I sometimes say, "Hey, Cavens, they're awesome. They're great. They're a five-tool player. They can do it all, just like T.R.A. Jennings." And T.R.A. Jennings, like my thoughts haven't changed on that. She is a five-tool player. Like she is, in my opinion, T.R.A. Jennings is a five-tool player. But you know who else is a five-tool player? Yeah, it's Jada Coleman. She can hit for power. She had a home run to left and right field in the same game on Friday night. Leads the team in home runs, by the way. She can hit for average. I think she's hitting .464 as it sits right now, second in the conference. She's an elite defender. Look at, I mean, seemingly every single game that she's played in. Uh, she's got a great arm in center field. She's got great speed with 11 stolen bases, which is third in the Big 12. I mean, there's are five tools right there. I mean, there is nothing Jada can't do. And I think what she, I think the important thing is she represents several players on this team that were needed and counted on to take their game to another level once Jocelyn Allo left after last season. They needed some players coming back to have their best season. That was the big storyline, right? Is all right, well, Alo, maybe the best hitter in college softball history, is gone. How are they going to replace those power numbers? Well, it's going to have to be a group effort. And I think Jada has done the best job of that. Like, I think she's going to win player of the year, and I think that she could go down as the best center fielder in OU softball history. She's on that track right now. I'm not saying that's a guarantee or that she's already there, but if this play continues, and I expect it to, she's going to have a strong case as the best center fielder that this program has ever seen. But there's also been other players um, that are having their best season. I think Alyssa Brito is, is, is one of those players as well. She was a nice surprise last year. Came in, won the job in left field, was a very productive player. By the end of the year, last year, she was really hitting the ball well. Made a very nice play in the uh, essentially the national championship game against Texas last year. Now she's your everyday third baseman, and she's absolutely crushing the ball. Burrito is one of the better third basemen in all of college softball and having her best year. I think Haley Lee, I just mentioned it, right? Though this is her first year at OU, I think she's having her best season in college softball. Hitting four forty six right now, which... It's like top five in the Big 12. Riley Boone is having her best year. You know, there's a good number of players that have stepped up their game, and I think that's a huge reason why this team has won 28 in a row and currently sits at 36 and 1. So when I do the Cavens read today, Cavens, five tool players, they can do it all, like TRA Jennings and like Jada Coleman, who are both five tool players. But seriously, if you have an emergency repair, 405. Uh, really just go to cavensgroup.com. Honestly, that's that's the best way to uh, to get a hold of them. Uh, they serve all of Oklahoma, North Texas, Arkansas and Kansas. I hope you that you don't have an emergency repair, but if you do, Cavens Group can do it all. Uh cavensgroup.com. All right, so let's look uh, let's look ahead a little bit. Tough test on Tuesday. No other way to say it. It's going to be a tough test. LSU and Baton Rouge and my buddy Terry Price, OU softball home run tra- uh, tracker on Twitter. He tempted me a little bit on Sunday morning. He texted me Sunday morning and said, hey, let's go to Baton Rouge on Tuesday. How else am I supposed to respond when someone texts me that on Sunday morning? It sounded like a great idea. Wish I could make that happen and go see uh, OU against a future rival on Tuesday. Unfortunately, I can't make that happen, but I'd love to. But LSU's a good softball team. We, we know it's going to be a tough test. 33-7 and seven is LSU on the year. 6-6 six and six in SEC play. Uh, we'll see on Monday where they're ranked, but this will likely be a top fifteen matchup. I believe, I believe they took a uh, two or three from Missouri this past weekend. Um, LSU did get swept by Tennessee and Baton Rouge a few weeks ago, um, and, and if you if you look at their resume, there's not a lot of good wins to speak of. They played a soft non-con, and they've lost to the best team they've played, swept by uh, Tennessee, the best team they played. But at the same time, like they're they're a good team, like they. LSU softball program has a pedigree that you know that they're gonna be good and they're gonna be competitive. And we know what OU's gonna get on Tuesday night. Like regardless of what the resume says or however they fared up to this point, you're going to get a huge home crowd in Baton Rouge, just like you're going to uh next weekend in, in Miami of Ohio, just like you got in Ames, just like you got in the West Coast, just like you got in Starkville. I won't be shocked if it's one of the better crowds that LSU has ever had. Like that's kind of the trend. That we've seen this year. LSU is going to get a huge home crowd. And OU is going to get a team looking to get its biggest signature win in several seasons. Like Honestly, with the way or like where OU sits currently right now as a program, I don't know if it's that hot of a take to say if LSU beats OU on Tuesday, it'll be one of their bigger wins in program history with where OU sits right now. So it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a a game that I won't take lightly. I mean, OU, I think, is the better team. Um, Ou has a much better resume than LSU. Like by the numbers, OU should win this game. But nothing—you you don't take anything for granted in the sport. It's going to be a tough road crowd against a team that's going to play one of their better games all year long. Going out and getting a win in Baton Rouge in the midweek—that'll be very, very impressive if this team is able to uh, to do that. So I can't wait for Tuesday night. I just love these midweek primetime games. Whether it was Florida State earlier this year. Uh, Kentucky going back to last year, right? But then just LSU, who you hardly ever see OU play, and bam, it's like on a Tuesday night with nothing else going on. I love that. I love that this team is not afraid to schedule the best. It's the best for them. It's the best for college softball. It's the best for LSU. It's the best for everyone that we get to see a matchup like this on a Tuesday night. So I I can't wait for the game. Uh, Seth Olivares, who was on the uh, podcast on Friday, if you haven't, I went back and listened to that. Go check that out. Uh, He had a good stat. 28 straight wins for OU right now. OU on a 28-game win streak. That leads all of college softball, which is not surprising. The next closest team in terms of consecutive wins right now, Prairie View A&M with 13. (laughs) OU has more than double of what the next best winning streak is in softball, OU has 28. The next best is 13 from Prairie View A&M. Not bad, not bad at all. And the way that this team is playing right now, um, it could easily get up into 30s and maybe even beyond that. But hey, got to take care of business on Tuesday night. But 28 straight wins for OU is just nuts. It's been since 2011, since OU lost a uh, Big 12 series, uh, which is just LOL. Texas has been good. OSU has been really good. Baylor's had some really good teams during that time, but OU still hasn't lost a conference series in twelve years. That stat gets me every single time. It's just it's just nuts, and it's fun uh, looking at some of these stats that the softball team uh, puts out on a consistent basis. Thirty three and one on the season. Six and zero in Big Twelve play. Uh they're moving towards an unprecedented 11th consecutive Big 12 regular season title. This is all via OU by the way. So thanks to them for this. This program holds a conference record of 167 and 15 the past 10 seasons. 167 and 15 the past 10 seasons. And like I said, they haven't lost a Big 12 series since 2011, winning 50 consecutive conference series. You know who's happy that this weekend is over? You know who is very happy to get to Easter Sunday? How about the Texas Tech softball team? Now, this is the most competitive that they've been against OU in several years. I bet they're actually probably pretty happy that they didn't get run-ruled in one game. Maybe that in itself they call this weekend a success. OU's won 30 straight games now over Texas Tech and 10 consecutive series dating back to a two-game split back in 2011. So the numbers are gaudy. They're impressive. They're a lot of fun to read. Uh, But the most important thing is I think this team just continues to play at a consistent level. No, it's not perfect every single game, but game in and game out, we see really good hitting, really good pitching. Defensively, they're really, really good right now. We talked about that on Friday. I just like the way that this team is trending right now. And no, I don't think that they're playing their best softball of the year. I will continue to go with the trend that we've seen the past several years, which is if you think they're playing well now, wait until the postseason. Like how many times have we seen that, right? Like all of a sudden in the postseason, you, know, you have one, two, three, maybe even more players emerge and really start to play their best softball. And I feel like this team will rise to the occasion once the postseason gets here. So it's fun right now, you know, and I just I want to go back to a point that I made to start the year is. Don't take this season for granted, guys. Don't take this season for granted. It's it's fun. You maybe even get upset about things that most college programs don't get upset about, but don't take this season for granted because it's one that you're going to remember for a long time. Enjoy the ride that we're on right now. They have got to continue to play good softball if they're going to accomplish the goal of winning a national championship, but they're a lot of fun to watch on a night-in, night-out basis, and... I don't think that's going to change here moving forward. All right, that's, uh, that'll do it for us on an Easter Sunday. As always, thank you so much for listening, supporting the podcast. So many of you, like, tweet out the link to it before I can even do so. I can't tell you how much that means. But you guys, I mean, it really feels like a community. And Seth and I were talking about this on Friday. Like, the OU softball Like Twitter community like that's a real thing on social media and so many of you are a part of that So thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for supporting each other and I love The amount of fun that you guys have every single game putting out crazy stats um, Just just all of it. It's it's um It's a lot of fun to be a part of for sure So we'll we'll talk to you on uh, later this week Give a little bit of a preview from the uh, tournament coming up in uh, miami of ohio going to be a big-time weekend with a lot of people there. Loyal listener Jessica Bame, uh, she only called about 97 times to try to get tickets, and she was one of the lucky few that did. But it's going to be a, uh, another big-time show uh, up there in the state of Ohio. We'll talk to you later this week. This is the Diamond Envy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler McComas. Tell a friend. Give us five stars. Leave a nice comment. Anything and everything helps. Appreciate Caven's group for being the title sponsor. We'll talk to you soon right here on the Diamond Envy Podcast.